The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Raina Troy Hotline. Alicia, Michael, what's going on? We know you have takes. We have takes. I'm actually surprised that your rant line, raid line, whatever, isn't completely full. Why can't we just win a game? Can I blame Michael Castillo for this? Can I blame Bob Connolly for this? Could I put on a zebra shirt and just go out there? Scratch, claw, up against the wall. Can't explain what I'm feeling right now, guys. Let's open up that raid line! Woohoo! Oh, I can't believe USC has... Escape the Groundhog Day existence and has ended the Helton era. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Reina Troy Radio, episode 421, coming to you on Thursday, October 7th. I am your host, Alicia Daratola. I am in the Reina Troy studio, and my co host, Michael Castillo, is not present in the room with me right now. Uh, we posted on Twitter, if you didn't see it, we are both uh, sick. <laughs> I've had the flu for the better part of uh, almost two weeks now. Michael inevitably got the flu as well. Uh, so we weren't even sure we were going to record a uh, an episode this week. But thanks to the magic of DayQuil and finally, maybe crossing my fingers, starting to turn a corner here uh, to the point where I can speak to you. Uh, Michael currently cannot do that. Uh, we're we're giving you a Utah preview episode, so that's exciting. Um, sorry we didn't uh, have the opportunity to get the uh, Colorado Fallout episode, but you definitely didn't want to hear from us on Monday or Tuesday this week. It was uh, not good over here at the at the Rana Troy studio. So, like I said, I'm your host, Elise Daratola. This is Rana Troy Radio. You can find us everywhere that podcasts are found. Uh, com, facebook.com slash reign of troy at reign of troy on twitter uh, we're on apple podcast spotify omni studio everywhere you can think of uh, drop in leave us a review let us know how we're doing hopefully it's five stars and tell your friends about us and uh, and engage with us send us send us messages on on facebook send us a tweet send us whatever it is that you want we uh we love our Rotbot listeners and we're always looking for you guys to engage so yeah, I don't have the the intro down as well as as Michael does, but you know, I'm I'm doing what I can. I'm I'm soldiering on through my uh through <laughs> through the uh the sore throat and and the cough and all that. So, we'll see how we do with this. But uh just to start this one off, we're going to give you an example of of somebody dropping in and and leaving us an awesome review on Apple Podcasts. So, this is from Salvador V101 five stars and it's titled no football reason so longtime listener recent reviewer there are no football reasons why anyone should love this show but there are myriad reasons outside football 
Save for the food takes. 10 out of 10 would recommend to a friend. Looking forward to where Shill Alicia will focus her Homer energy and when Michael will convince Alicia to watch Seinfeld and make What's the Deal with Rot? Or a better podcast title uh, still pending. So thank you so much for that review, Salvador. Five stars. Love, love, love to see it. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the days when Shalicia is uh, is roaming the roaming the halls around here, telling you how great USC is gonna be. I don't know if I'm gonna do this in that episode, in this episode, but uh, we'll see about that. We'll see. Uh, so let's just jump straight into this. It's not gonna be a particularly long episode. I don't know how long my voice is gonna hold up, but we still want to get you ready for this game, which is you know important. USC is still in position to compete for the Pac-12 South. The players are still in the running to, to, to make themselves look good for the NFL, to get a Pac-12 South title under their names, uh, to, to win as many games as possible for just pride, if nothing else. And we get to watch this season through the lens of knowing that uh, everything gets to change next year because there will be a new head coach. So uh, let's jump into the news where there's one little head coaching thing to just get out of the way and some Jackson Dart news. All right, so the news of the day of the week. Uh, if you were anywhere, you probably heard about over Meyer. Got caught uh, in a uh, less than ideal situation for a married man at a bar. Uh, videos on Twitter if you want to go find it, whatever. Uh, there's a lot of talk about turmoil with the Jaguars. There's a lot of talk about them being 0-4 and Urban Meyer potentially losing his job, blah, 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 blah. All of that does not matter if you're a USC fan. If you're a Jags fan, it might matter. If you're an LSU fan, it might matter. If you're a fan of any other team that might look at Urban Meyer, it might matter, but doesn't matter if you're a USC fan because I'm just going to say this definitively and y'all can clip this if you need to and play it for me when, you know, when I, old takes exposed or whatever. Urban Meyer is not coming to USC. He wasn't coming to USC before this controversy with the with the Jags, which in the grand scheme of Urban Meyer controversies is not that big. This is, you know, <laughs> a, a dude being inappropriate with a woman who is not his wife. That's it. There's no, uh, you know, there's no legal situation there. There's no consents questions that we know of. There's nothing of that. The Urban Meyer has done much worse. Uh, this is just a bad look for him. And it's part of the overall picture of Urban Meyer, which will result in him not being looked at by USC. That's, that's all I can say. Like he, he wasn't uh, him getting fired by the Jaguars over the un the unrest and and complete just uh, mess that the Jaguars are in is not going to make him a more attractive character for USC to go after. It's just not happening. I know people want it, uh, but it, you just have to sit back and accept that's not the direction USC is going to go in. They can hire somebody who isn't going to be the media circus potential moral uh, questionable you know, bomb that, that gets thrown in there that can still win titles. Uh, Urban Meyer's not the only one out there who can win titles. And at this stage in his career, I'm not even sure if Urban Meyer coming to USC would guarantee that USC would win a title. So like that risk is not particularly one that I'd, I'd want to put any, any eggs into that basket at this point either. So 
let's just be done with the Urban Meyer talk. It's not happening. It doesn't really matter what's going on with the Jags or not. That's not the direction that USC is going to go in. We all know this. Even the people who want it to happen know it down to their core. This is not the move that USC makes. So, you know, look at Luke Fickle, look at James Franklin, look at whoever the heck you want out there, but it's it's just not happening. So the actual USC news to discuss is that Jackson Dart was back at practice this week uh, in pads, but not really doing a lot of work, according to people who were at practice uh, on Twitter, all the beat writers. So... I don't know. It just doesn't look like Jackson Dart's going to play this weekend. Didn't expect him to play this weekend. I mean, more realistically than anything, it's after the after the bye week. Like if if he's able to get a full week of practice in for the bye week, then maybe he'd be available to play. But will USC slot him in then? I Again, I don't know. There was going to be a debate even when he wasn't injured between the Keaton Slovis Jackson Dart thing. And, uh, and so this is just going to be another week where I think that it's on Keaton Slovis to make sure that when Jackson Dart is healthy, that he's not the one that's going to come in and and replace him. So Keaton had three touchdowns against Colorado. He didn't look bad. He looked fine, whatever. It wasn't, wasn't like a standout performance, but it certainly wasn't a bad performance. Uh, this was sort of average Keaton Slovis, which is still, you know, 179 passer rating, which is pretty decent. So this is a, this is going to be a big opportunity coming up. I'm going to talk about Utah in a second, that'll prove more or less that that Keaton does deserve this job or doesn't. This is a a defense that can punish him, and he's going to have to rise to the occasion. So it will. It's a it's an opportunity for him to stake a claim to this job. If he gets through this Utah game looking impressive, then I don't think you replace him with Jackson Dart. This is also a game where he could start to look very very shaky and give the coaches a reason to replace him with Dart once he's uh, once he's back fully healthy, but it doesn't look like at this point that he is fully healthy. So kicking that can down the line uh, a little bit further, further away. So let's just get into the game preview. Uh, Utah's a, Utah's an interesting team this year. They looked a little bit dumpster fiery for a second there, but on further review, their schedule has been, it's been a little bit interesting here. So Utah was three and two last year, really, really shaky season for Kyle Whittingham's team. This year they start 2-2, two and two, which is not a great place to be if you're Utah, but, but, the, 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 I don't know, the 2-2 the, the two and two record is not, like, the worst in the world. They beat up Weber State, which they should. Then they lost the first two games of the FBS slate for them to BYU and San Diego State. Well, BYU is now a top-10 team, and San Diego State's now a ranked team, and you know, those weren't they weren't impressive games for Utah by any stretch, but those are ranked teams that we're looking at. So uh, it's it's the results are not the worst in the world. Um, they beat Washington State in a in a game that that uh, is sort of hard to gauge where Washington State is at at this point. Uh, but they they're coming off of bye week, so. You know, Utah Utah is going to come out fresh. They're going to come out with a new quarterback. Well, newish quarterback, Cameron Rising, is taking over for Charlie Brewer. So they are not exactly the team that we saw in the first month of the season at this point. Uh, they might be better. They might be, you know, just, just as sort of shaky as they looked. It's just very hard to tell at this point. So it's a little bit of a mystery game for USC. It's unfortunate USC gets them coming out of a bye week. Uh, but and, and and sort of turning a corner in the same way that like Stanford made their quarterback change and then suddenly they look a little bit more alive. 
I'm curious how much the Cameron Rising change, which they did make uh, before the Washington State game, how much that is going to sort of present a momentum that the Utes can can bring to the table that USC is going to have to counteract. The good thing is USC is at home. We all know USC playing Utah at the Coliseum is a very, very different a different animal than than playing Utah at Rice-Eccles. So that's the advantage that USC has. Last year, USC beat Utah 33-17. to It's one of USC's better games of the 2020 season in, in the sense that they didn't have to win it in the final second. Uh, so that's that's a plus. But Utah actually, they have a good S&P Plus ranking. They're 23rd in S&P Plus, 56th on offense, so not particularly impressive there. But they're 10th on defense, very not impressive on special teams, 121st, which is funny because they have Britton Covey. So you'd think that they'd have a little bit more of a, a bright special teams unit, but really nothing to, to write home about there. Uh, they rank 32nd in the 24-7 sports team talent composite. So they're not dumpster fire, uh, dump, uh, bottom of the barrel in terms of, of talent. They, they've recruited pretty okay. And uh, they brought back a bunch of returning starters. They had 19 returning starters from from last season, 81% of their returning production on offense, 91% on defense. So they are are looking more like a a veteran group with guys who know what what they're about. So that definitely applies to the defense. The defense has Devin Lloyd, who leads the Pac-12 in tackles and tackles for loss. He leads the team with two interceptions. Uh, that linebacker is just the 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 consummate linebacker in the Pac-12. Um, he gets the job done against the run. He gets the job done against the pass. He is the the heart and soul of that defense. So he's the one that USC is going to have to worry about. Uh, certainly, someone that that they can't um, can't take for granted that he's on the field. And uh, and if if Utah is a good defensive game, it's probably going to be centered around around the the work that he does there in the center of the defense. They also have uh, the the leader in the Pac-12 in sacks in Van Fillinger. I don't know if I'm saying that wrong or right, but uh, the thing to note about this this Utah defense is that they're not, you know, Devin Lloyd's the 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 name that you definitely pull out from this defense, but as a collective they're rather good. Uh you look at their their front, you you look at their secondary and there's a lot of guys in there who are doing work. And it's not just like one guy across the board. Uh, safety Brandon McKinney and Vontae Davis are both doing work. Uh, Clark Phillips, the this the cornerback, is having a very strong season so far. Uh, Nephi Sewell, a relative of the uh, of the of those Sewells, can't remember if he's a brother or a cousin, but uh, he's also a linebacker. He leads. Uh, he's second in the Pac-12 in solo tackles. Um, Mike uh, Tafua is doing extremely well on the defensive front. He has 2.5 sacks this season, uh, second on the team. He has 3.5 tackles for loss, second on the team. Uh, I think one one stat that I really want to point out for you is Devin Lloyd has eight tackles for loss. He gets into the backfield. Uh, The the, the Utes in general get into the backfield. They rank, uh, what is it? I have it right here, 10th nationally in tackles for loss per game. So, they're doing very. They will get into the backfield. They will stop your rushing attack like that. And I mean, that's part of why that they rank first. Uh, sorry, ninth in first down defense nationally. That's because they're setting you back, um, getting teams off schedule, and disrupting the flow of their offense on that first down early on, uh, and and making it hard for teams on on third down to get going. So 
that's the Utah defense. They are they are a very good defense. I don't know, very good. They are a good defense. They are arguably the best defense that USC will face so far uh, in this in this first half of the season. Um, so this is the defense that that worries me because this is the defense that can shut down shut down USC's attack. Now, the question I would have for Utah is that I think they've made the mistake in the past of being a good enough defense that they think I can go toe to toe with USC. Um, very much remember the Matt Fink Utah game where they went, you know, they went man to man and basically just invited USC to YOLO all over them. And Michael Pittman said YOLO and Matt Fink said YOLO and they just destroyed them. So that is something that I think Utah gets into trouble for is that they don't or they haven't tended to sit back and do the things that work against USC, which is drop eight, be less aggressive and just force USC to to hurt themselves because USC's efficiencies are are all out of whack. So Utah's defense is good, but USC may 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 be able to take advantage of some of some over aggression over aggression on their part. Uh, it's just gonna it's just gonna come down to can can USC's athletes out athlete Utah in that case? Then absolutely they can. If Utah's smarter this year then they will sit back and ask USC to beat them in the way that uh, that USC couldn't beat a lot of other defenses in the past. So that is something that I'm going to be very curious about, but it's worth noting that Utah has allowed the 14th least uh, passing yards this season, averaging 163.5 yards per game. That's pretty low, guys. That's that's pretty darn low. Now, are they playing, have they played the, the most prolific passing offenses in in the in the uh, FBS not really uh, BYU has a good passing offense but uh, Washington State doesn't really isn't really that's not their thing um San Diego State they're, they're I mean it, they don't have like an elite quarterback running that show so this will be a test for Utah as well but also for Keaton Slovis, Keaton needs to prove that he can undo this defense that has some really good and effective athletes and will give USC's defensive offensive front a challenge in the trenches uh, that will be on their mark on uh, in the secondary and uh, and probably won't let USC run the ball very well. And that's going to be a question that, that USC needs to prove that they can adjust around that and take what take what they can get, you know. USC hasn't proven that they can do that consistently, at least. So this is a matchup that worries me. It's very, it's very worrisome uh, to face a Utah team that could shut down USC's offense in in a lot of different ways. On the flip side, this Utah offense is not impressive at all. Uh, they are 90th in total offense. They are 74th in scoring offense. Uh, they're just, you know, you look down these, look down these stats and there's, there's nothing in the top half of the, of the power five. I mean, of, of the, of the FBS, the only stat that I pulled here that they are top 50 in is sacks allowed. And that's 48th in sacks allowed, which is 1.75 per game. So it's not like they're like special there in preventing sacks either. The hard part about this Utah offense is that it is slightly different from what it was in the first couple of games in the season. Charlie Brewer was the starting quarterback. Uh, he was the transfer out of Baylor, and he 
lost his job. He he played very poorly in the first month of the season, and Cameron Rising seemed to have the support of the of the Utah uh, team. There was a Twitter like hashtag thing that was going around uh, in favor of him, and he came in and and has sparked a little bit more. So Charlie Brewer in the first three games had 400, 484 yards passing with three touchdowns, three interceptions, passer rating 117.17. And Cameron Rising comes in and he's thrown four touchdown passes, no interceptions. Three of those touchdown passes came in the Washington State, uh, in the Washington State game. And uh, sorry, in the um, in the San Diego State game, I believe. Let me just double check that. Yeah, in the San Diego State game which they lost, but they lost narrowly, and he sort of like rallied the team a bit. Didn't throw a touchdown pass against Washington State, but he didn't have to because uh, the, um, the Utes were able to get that win 24-13. to So Cameron Rising is not like, I don't know, he's, he, he's a little bit like a typical Utah quarterback where he's not super impressive, but he's weirdly effective while not having very many stats to back it up. Uh, he can beat you with his legs, so that's something that USC needs to worry about. But he's you know, completing less than 60% of his passes so far. So there is vulnerability on this offense. Uh, he has a good running back in Micah Bernard, Micah Bernard, who is averaging six yards a carry. Tavion Thomas and TJ Pledger are the rotation running backs there, and they are both averaging above six yards a carry. So the run game is really going to set the tone. And that's where USC is going to face their biggest test because they Oregon State sort of laid the map there. You can you can run down USC's throat and they can't do anything to stop you, or at least they couldn't figure out anything to stop you. So hopefully Todd Orlando has diagnosed what went wrong in that Oregon State game, and they will have a better sense of how to stop that because you do want to force Cameron Rising to to beat you with his arm. I don't know that Cameron Rising can beat you with his arm. If he if he can, then you need to make him go out and prove that. But Utah's going to try and go out there and just, you know, feed Michael Bernard, who get, does the, get the majority of the carries. And they can spell him with two guys who are extremely effective. TJ Pledger is uh, from, from Oklahoma. Tavion Thomas is, is doing very well in, in limited work. So that's the danger for USC. The other danger is, is the tight ends. Uh, Brent... Keithy, whose name I always stumble over, and Dalton Kincaid. The weird thing is that like Keithy leads the team with 163 yards receiving. 163 yards receiving leads the team. Like that's what Drake London does in one game. That's in that's in four for Utah. So like again, this is not a prolific passing offense, but the tight ends can hurt you, and USC has been has been hurt by tight ends. So, you know, Keithy and Kincaid are exactly the kinds of tight ends that you got to worry about that USC is allowed to get wide open in, in previous games. So you can't forget about those guys. Those are, those are guys who can beat your safeties, who can beat your linebackers and USC safeties and linebackers haven't always done a very good job of preventing those guys from getting wide open. So those are, you know, if, if you hear Keithy's name related to a touchdown on Saturday, don't say I didn't warn you. Uh, but but really, this this is a game that should come down to the, the the defenses. I think that Utah's defense absolutely has the juice to slow down this USC offense. The question for USC is: Can USC's defense slow down a much worse Utah offense than 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 uh, than than USC? U- USC's offense is way better than Utah's offense. As frustrating as all heck, 
USC's offense is. They are way better than this Utah offense. The problem is that Utah's defense is better than USC's defense. And one of those one of those battles is gonna have to is gonna have to determine this game. And you have sort of the good on good with Utah's defense against USC's offense, and you have the bad on bad with Utah's offense against USC's defense. And if you're looking at things from from like my perspective, I, I feel unfortunate calling it bad on bad, but like USC's defense needs to prove that they can hold up their end of the bargain here. Normally, I put the onus on USC's offense to do more, to bail out the defense a little bit more often. And I get very frustrated when USC's offense doesn't do that. But in this game, this is the game where, no, the defense needs to step up and make sure that whatever points that USC's offense is able to produce, that they're the ones that matter. Because you can't give up cheap points to this Utah defense, you, to this Utah offense. You can't just give up a, a long touchdown and, and, and think that that's not going to hurt you in this game. This game will likely come down to less than a touchdown points. So those moments are going to matter. Uh, taking care of business in this game is going to matter on the defensive side. And staying focused for all for every tick of the clock is going to be the thing that determines whether or not USC comes out of this. And it, uh, I'm circling the performance of USC's defense against this Utah offense because USC can't let what happened to Oregon State happen again. And this is a game where Utah is going to try and recreate that game plan. Utah's USC's defense needs to needs to respond. If they don't, then that's a, a very very uh, telling indictment. It'll be an indictment. So that's my takeaway on this game. That's my 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 general gist of the game is just uh, this one's going to be on what USC's defense does. How many points does USC's defense hold this Utah offense to? Because they should be able to hold them pretty low. And if they don't. It's going to come back to bite USC's offense in the butt because I don't know that this is a game where USC's offense is going to put up a lot of points. So you're going over. I'm feeling bold. Give me that over. I'll go under. I got to take an under here. I got three unders to take. I'm going to do an under here. Uh, Michael's not here, but I have his over-unders. I have my over-unders. I have his picks for the over-unders. So let's just get into that one. Uh, for the season, I made a valiant... It's a shame we didn't record a Fallout episode, guys, because I could have had so many gloating opportunities. Last week, I went 5-1 and one in over-under. Michael went 1-5. and five. Uh, We were laughing our heads off at uh, last week, if you recall. We had three different over-unders that were pinned on 13.5. It was 13.5 points for, uh, for Colorado, which would have been their season high. It was 13.5 carries for Keontae Ingram. And it was 13.5 targets for Drake London. And all three of those, the answer to the to the stat was 14. It was 14 points, 14 targets, and 14 carries. And I got all three right. So it was just beautiful, 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 beautiful. Love it, love it, love it. A um, couple of our Rapots matched my 5-1 and one record last week. That was Randy from Redlands and Kangaroo 30. So congratulations to you. And uh, the current leader in the clubhouse in the over-under uh, picks is Adam and Clint from Pittsburgh. They are 25-9. and nine. So Adam and Clint are absolutely killing it. We'll see if they can keep it up this week. Okay, let's just jump in. My, my first over-under is 299 passing yards for Keaton Slovis in this game. Utah has not allowed more than 248 this whole season. Slovis had 276 versus Colorado, and he's had less than 270 
uh, against Stanford and San Jose. So he has more games under 300 than over. Uh, Michael is going with that trend, and he went with the under, which gives me the over, so I need Keaton to have a big game in passing yardage at least. All right, Michael's first over-under is 5.5 Utah penalties. Utah is tied for first in the Pac-12 with 4.8 penalties per game. Their season high was six versus BYU and six versus San Diego State. They only had four in their Pac-12 opener versus Washington State. So will Utah have more than more than uh, five penalties in this game? I'm going to go a little bold and I'm going to go the over. Something about just Pac-12 games, something about it just tells me that there will just be flags. Like the Coliseum is just like, it's like the refs walk in, walk onto the, the Coliseum floor and just, they just they had, they're itching, itching to throw those flags. So I'm going to go with the over just, just because Pac-12, just because Pac-12. So Michael will have to take the under there. My next over under is 99.5 receiving yards for Drake London. He has had four 100 plus receiving yards in the last five games. However, Utah is the best pass defense that USC will have faced this season, and he only had 45 yards versus the Utes last year. So is Drake Lennon going to put up another 100-yard receiving performance? Michael thinks, yes, he took the over. I am going to take, well, I have to take the under there. Uh, I think it's uh, it's more likely than not that Drake Lennon gets over 100. But at the same time, Utah... Utah is going to to do what they can to take him out of the game. And that's not very easy to do. But I, I think there's a possibility that USC is going to have to go to some other guys. And Drake London might just be the thing that attracts away from uh, the, the that opens up some opportunities for some other guys out there. So we'll see how that goes. All right. Michael's next over under is twenty nine point five punt return yards for Britton Covey. He's the national leader in punt return yards with two hundred thirty six and an average of 119 sorry of 19.75 yards per game per return jesus i can't i can't even read anymore um which is why i, ta- I mentioned that like it's weird that utah's special teams is ranked so low in sp plus cuz britton covey is is an effective punt returner but i guess there's so many other things that go into into special teams so he he britton covey had 132 yards and a touchdown at san diego state he had two returns for 31 yards in the opener versus Washington State, which was his season low. So USC has not allowed more than 28 return yards in a game. They did that against Washington State. And so the the 29.5 is between USC's high and Bryn Covey's low is, is the way that Michael is explaining it. And he adds a random tidbit here. The last player to return a punt for a touchdown against USC is used Nikhil Harry in 2018. Well, that's a bad memory. Thanks, Michael. I don't I don't want to remember that game. I don't remember want to remember that season. So that's not fun. <sighs> okay, the question here is how many punts, returnable punts, will Britton Co- Covey get? I love me you know I love me some um some oh my word. Oh my word. Why am I, why am I forgetting USC's amazing punter who I've been who I've been spamming you guys with forever. I, I literally am having the biggest, the biggest brain fart in the history of of just like brain. Ben Griffiths, ah, love me some Ben Griffiths. There's a whole drop and everything like that. I I need to just go bang my head against the wall or something for forgetting his name for a second. That's yikes. 
Uh, but either way, I love me some Ben Griffiths. I think he's going to do a good job of pinning USC, uh, of pinning Utah deep, or of giving unreturnable punts. So I'm going to go under. I'm going under. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but I'm going under. In the words of uh, Evanescence, I think. Yeah. All right, Michael's going to take the over on that one as a result. So my last over under is 59.5 yards for Brant Keithy. Weirdly, his season high is 58. And that's versus San Diego State. It's like he's their leading receiver. He's objectively one of the better, uh, one of the better tight ends in the Pac-12. And yet, like, he never has an impressive stat line in the receiving area. Like, it's just it's never impressive. So, I went 59.5. He had, like, 45 against USC last year. It just, I, I just, I don't know. He just sort of, he has one 100-yard receiving yard, receiving game in his entire career. Like, you just sort of expect for him to, like, accident his way into that more often just because they don't have very many other receiving targets i mean they don't have a great receiving offense i know that but like you'd think the tight end would get opened up a few times as a result so whatever michael took the over here he thinks that brent keithy is going to hurt usc so i end up with the under as a result all right michael's last over under is 1.5 tackles for loss for utah's devin lloyd he is third nationally in tackles for loss per game with two he had two versus Weber State, half versus BYU, 2.5 versus San Diego State, and three versus Washington State. So will he have two or more tackles for loss? I am going to go with the over here. I think that USC is at the very least vulnerable to a big, like a, a tackle for loss here or there. I think that, uh, that, that it's more likely than not that Devin Lloyd will get into the backfield a couple of times, whether it's a sack or just dropping a running back uh, for loss because USC likes to set up their running backs to get dropped for loss. They just, that's just what they do. All right. We got a couple over unders from our buddy, Steve in the Bay area as well. Got 1.5 USC false starts for you, for uh, the Trojans in this game. Michael went with the under. I too, am going to take the under. If this was in Salt Lake city, I could see it being an over. I think USC could also be way, could just, accidentally end up in the, I mean if anyone's watching the Stanford Oregon game that was at Stanford Stadium their home stadium and it not particularly a loud place and Stanford had like three false starts in a row so like these things happen but I'm still going to go with the under just more likely than not and then our buddy Steven the Bay Area says uh, 0.5 USC victories yes a win-loss prediction and Michael goes with the over and I go with the over, even though I don't feel very good about it. <sighs> okay, so that's the over-unders for this week. We'll see how it goes on those. As for game predictions, we've got... Bill. This is my favorite thing in the world. Bill Connolly does his game predictions. This is all formula, right? So he just plugs in the numbers and it shoots back out the numbers, right? Not always right. He he tends to overvalue USC's offense, but that's because we talk all the time. USC's empty calories on offense make that offense look more effective than they are. So Bill Connolly has the score of the USC Utah game, twenty-seven to twenty-seven. Literally, literally, USC has an edge over Utah by zero point zero one. 
it's 27.21 for USC and, and 27, no, 27.22 for USC and 27.21 for Utah or something like that. Like the margin on this is minuscule. It's a 50, 50 game in the, in the computers, literally 50, 50. I mean, by this measure, basically USC and Utah go to overtime and they go to the, 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 the third overtime penalty shootout thing and probably go back and forth like 10 times. And then finally, finally USC like locks into, into getting the advantage over, over Utah. Like that's the level of like locked, locked in that this game is, which is just fantastic. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, well, I mean, I won't love it during the game when it's horrific, but I do love an overtime game. I do love a close game. So we'll see how this one goes. Vegas is kind of on the same line. Uh, USC is a three-point favorite. Vegas, when you have a home team, usually you give them a three-point advantage. Thus, Vegas sees no difference between USC and Utah. Thus, it's a minus three advantage for USC because they are at home. So I am going uh, with my prediction of 21-17. That's USC over Utah, 21-17. I think that Drake London... And USC's athletes will produce a moment or two that get USC up over the top. I think that Utah doesn't have the offensive juice to score more than USC in this game, but it's going to be nervy. It's not going to be a fun one, guys. It's really not. Uh, USC is going with uh, USC 26, including four Parker Lewis field goals and Utah 20. So Michael also has USC beating Utah. Uh, in in the worst kind of game, <laughs> the worst kind of game. Yep, that's uh, I can see it happening. I definitely see four or five Parker Lewis field goals going on somewhere, somewhere in here. Uh, because that's that's just the way this game's gonna go. USC is probably gonna. I mean, I, more I think about it, the more I think that's probably right. USC is gonna move the ball. They're not gonna score touchdowns. They're just gonna settle field goals, and thus it will be. Nervy at the end when Utah grabs a touchdown and then suddenly it's, uh, you know, squeaky bum time. So that'll be fun. Uh, we got a few questions on Slack that I'm going to hit up before I exit. Got a, a question from Josh Arena. Uh, Dante claimed he was about discipline and would preach accountability. Now, with that said, is it me or does this team seem even less disciplined? Your thoughts? Um, I think that discipline is very hard to... <laughs> To capture, I think that discipline isn't always measured by penalties either. Um, I think that you can't just institute discipline over a weekend or two weeks or three weeks. If you know from your own life, like, I mean, just from my own life, you you build discipline by being routine, by having a routine. And your routine doesn't sort of, it, it doesn't stick in the first week. It doesn't stick in the second week. It doesn't stick in the third week. It takes repetitive just discipline to to keep a routine together. So I don't know that like you can make a team go from undisciplined in week two to disciplined in week five. You needed to have been disciplined your entire off season to to devote, you know, to to have those the the dividends paid off. So if this team turns out to be more disciplined under Dante, it's going to be, you know, in in the next few weeks that we're going to start to see those pay off. Do I think that this team is more disciplined or less disciplined? I think that they are the same. They are exactly what they were because, again, you just don't change. You just don't change overnight. You might have things bounce your way. 
You might be more enthusiastic. You might have uh, little things that just affect outcomes. But in the end, discipline is something that 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 is a culture thing that exists year round and not just, you know, a couple weeks into the season. So that's the way I see it. I think it's just hard to say. Uh, Josh also asks, is this team turning the page or are the buffs just that bad? SC again looking good, but I but I myself think the buffs are just that bad. Thoughts? Well, I mean, Michael was very on top of this last week, and and I think it's pretty clear. Like the buffs are bad. Like they're just not very good. So that, uh, that I mean that and that was one of the things that we didn't get to talk about really in the Fallout episode. We covered it a little bit in in the Carcass, if I remember correctly. But like the idea of like, okay, so this is a bad Buffalo team, so you should beat them the way you would beat a bad team. And I think a better USC team you know, puts up 60 points on that team. A better USC team absolutely embarrasses them instead of just sort of your typical, like, we're just better than you, we're going to win by 20 points kind of kind of blowout. Uh, so I think that you can sort of see both sides of, of the equation there, that the buffs are bad, and also USC did enough to make them look bad, which is a credit to USC, but also USC isn't so good of a team they could make them look terrible. You know, like I, I think there's sort of an in between there. So do I think that that beating Colorado like that means that USC is more likely to beat this Utah team? Probably not. I think that this is the game that probably proves a hell of a lot more about how USC faces adversity because they didn't really face a lot of adversity in that Colorado game. They just won because <laughs> Colorado's a bad team. Um, So th- this is a game where USC will have... USC can't afford to just coast in this game. They will have to beat Utah in this game. And so that's why it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see to see how USC responds. It's a, it's a good opportunity for USC. So good opportunity for us to uh to talk about it when it's all said and done. So yeah, that's going to do it for me. Uh, my my voice survived. Yay! Thank God for Dayquil. Um thank God for soup which I had for lunch which helped soothe my voice enough to do 40 minutes of speaking uh nonstop. So we will be back on Saturday with a car cast. I can, um, I can at least say that I'll be back for a car cast. Michael, so the, just not to share too many details, but like the timeline, I was sick for a week before Michael started to feel sick. So like if Michael's on the same timeline that I was on, as far as the, the, the flu or whatever illness that we, that we have, he, I can't guarantee he's, he's, he's uh, questionable for Saturday. Let's just put it that way. Um, but, uh, if he can go, if his voice and if his uh, throat and everything like that are, are up to the task, he'll, um, he'll be able to do the car cast, but the trajectory that I am currently on crossing fingers, hoping, uh, suggests that perhaps I will be more likely to be available for the car cast on Saturday. So look out for that. We'll see what we do, uh, as far as getting that out to you, but, uh, should be a fun game. Well, no, it shouldn't be a fun game. It will be a, a a game. It will be a game that we will watch because we are all suckers and we are sucked into this team. And uh, and, and it'll just be what it is. So we'll have a reaction to that on the weekend and we'll see how it goes. Thank you guys, as always, for subscribing to the podcast. Thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing with your friends. Thank you for posting reviews on iTunes. Thank you for being there for us all the time thank you for being understanding this week uh we just can't get we two years in a row we've had a usc season where illness has really gotten the way of our recording schedule sadly uh but uh, it is what it is so thank you guys for sticking with us and we'll catch you guys later see ya
special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.